0: Well, as we come to the uh, last of our five-week, five-Sunday October series that we've called Loving Others, Discovering the Heart of God for Those Around Us, um, it's a great week to come on a week that we've raised the best part of four grand for paintings is the best part of 22 grand for, a, for somebody in our congregation who has loved others and made a difference to, to girls mainly, but who have been trafficked. Um, it's a great day when you come and you think, you know, kind of on a sleepy week last week on a labor weekend when we sort of say, hey, we've just had this crazy idea, how about you contribute to a piece of art and how about you contribute to a base for our dearly beloved Derek? Um, and we reflect back on that and we raise $1,600, $1,700 and, and are able to buy the base just like that because people are generous and people are willing to say yes. I don't know if it was some, uh, you know, the coincidence thing, but I don't know if anybody else felt the pang that I felt last night as um, Samoa and uh, the Kiwis were playing, and I'm thinking, you know, Derek would have been a Facebook overload, you know, kind of as this thing as, as he's going, and so I was just very mindful of him last night, or as we, as we do dozens of shoeboxes which will go to Cambodia and Fiji and other countries as Julianne's inspired us. And, and we're a church, it seems, that's loving others. We've got a couple of other things that are ahead of us. Um, even this year or into next year, we're, we're running up to our annual Christmas shop. And uh, we as a church, we, we feed every Christmas uh, roughly the hundred and neediest families on the North Shore. And um, that's an enormous, uh, I, I don't know, pulling together of our resources, financial and manpower. And we we'll talked to you about that um, of, over November. But it, it feels like we have something of, the heart of what this thing is to love others and we're a church that's involved in it even as we speak. We don't have to, don't have to drum it up, there's something that's happening. Another thing early next year we're looking at doing again or we are going to do is um, it was just a, a, again almost an instinctive thing we did in January this year of um, giving books to needy families as they go back to school stationery. And we, we literally had donated hundreds and hundreds of books which were distributed among some of our poorer schools. It's like loving others is something that grips us somehow. Well done. It's worth knowing. And before I um, move into week five of our series, and you can listen to the rest of our series if you haven't on um, our website, shawvineyard.church or svc.org.nz, um, uh, I want to just say thank you to, to one person who's made this series happen, which is um, Sandy, who's our care pastor. Sandy um, uh, has... Uh, done some research for several of the series that we've done over the last couple of years and he has uh, of anybody who's put and contributed to this series and loved us as we've spoken up the front, Um, Fran and Janelle, myself and Calvin as we've shared over this month at Sandy and so thank you for that. God bless you. It's just been a wonderful thing to be able to do. I, I think that's probably worth that as well. And so as we move into week five, we're going to talk about representing the other, representing the other. And um, this is about representing, representing God and through God representing the other. So let's, let's start a little bit with God. We're going to talk today about representing God here on earth, representing the Trinity, if you like, living as image bearers of God. Left the easiest one to last, didn't we? You know, kind of representing God here on earth. We're going to ask the question a little. And would love you to think about it. What does it mean to represent the other when the other is God, our Creator? And what does that mean for our relationships to one another? What will our relationships look like if we are indeed representing our Father who's in heaven uh, when we're here on earth? I mean, who would have thought that we'd be representing God? I was thinking about this morning, you know, uh, as we come to church. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us would come to church because... Because we come to church and it's a good thing to do. Some of us will have come, you know, with a sense of worship. Some of us will have come with a sense of maybe it's communion. It's the last Sunday of the month. Yes, I'm sure we have communion. Or just fellowship and being together. Maybe you're visiting and you might have had all sorts of reasons for coming here. I suspect there's not a person in the building who woke up this morning and said, I am going to be a representative of God here on earth this morning. It's kind of like it just doesn't sit well, in a sense, with our, our Kiwi humility or something like that. And yet it seems like that's what God has in mind for us. Mind-boggling as it is, unbelievable as it is, impossible, yes, frightening, yes, as it is, all of the above, and yet something for us to wrestle with. And so let's set the scene for a little how this representing the Trinity plays out, and then, then let's work towards some conclusions about what that means for relating to others. You see, for Jesus, it was all about representing the Father. And so one of the great vineyard scriptures I spoke last Sunday night about um, uh, being people of the presence, you can't get away much in a vineyard church from these scriptures from John chapter 5, as Jesus says, "'Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing.'" So Jesus is watching what the Father's doing and doing that, and it goes on, "'For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise.'" For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And so in the vineyard, we take that as a ministry sort of invitation is let's see what the father's doing, you know, and do more of that. And when we do more of that, we will see more things happen. So is he, is he here for healing this morning? Is he here for, I don't know, reconciling relationships this morning? You know, is he here for generosity or is he here for us, you know, in some way to be reaching out or moving out? What is the Father doing? And we see that, and that hopefully you, you feel the heartbeat of that, because that maybe more than anything would describe who and what we are as a vineyard church. Later on, Jesus will say, if you see me, so we look at him, you see the Father. And the full scripture in John 14, 8 and 9 says, or Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father. You know, kind of because they've only got an understanding of the Father at this point, and it is enough for us. Jesus says, slightly soberingly, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? I don't sort of see that as being, you know, kind of you might miss out, but it's like, you know, know, Vic, have you known me for 35 years and you haven't really seen me the way that I've wanted to see me? Now, there's a challenge to me. And then he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, the Son representing the Father, representing the Trinity, being here incarnate on earth. So Jesus is the ultimate image bearer of the Father. And Paul follows this up in Colossians Psalm 1.15. He is the image of God, the invisible one, the firstborn of creation. This is who Jesus is. He is the one that we can see and know, and through him, yes, in our feeble, yes, in our sinful, yes, in our partial, yes, in our complicated ways, because we are all of those things, aren't we? We are able to represent him, and he gives us that encouragement, that, power, that of the gospels in particular, we see how Jesus, the image bearer, relates to one another. How else would we know? The kindness of Jesus, the generosity of Jesus, the the straight-upness of Jesus, sometimes to people that we are unexpected who he is working with that. And so we see Jesus and we see God and we get an idea of what it is to follow Jesus and to be a Christian and to be a believer. This is something of, not the only thing by any means, but something of what the Gospels show us. But we can't stop there, you know, somewhat distant observers. There was this man and his name was Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, he was an amazing guy. We can't stop it there, just as some sort of father and son interrelationship that's happening over there. But for us, it's a case of, now go and do likewise. Now go and be Jesus. Now go and represent Jesus to this world. You know, let your heart be broken by trafficking and do something about it the way that Jesus would do something about it if he was here, representing Jesus so we can represent to the other or represent Jesus to the other. If you're a bit of a reader of theology, you, you may have come over, over recent um, times, recent years, um, the, Greek, or the Greek compound word perichoresis. Perichoresis is a theological term that's split into um, peri, which means around, k- k- kari, which means give way or make room to. And theologians are, are wrestling with what this concept and word is at the moment. And there's some great stuff that's coming out. It's sort of used in a number of different ways. One's used to sort of describe um, Jesus' humanity and Jesus' divinity. So there's a there's a, a working around there's an intersecting of his humanity and his divinity and we know and understand that we might call that a perichoresis. Um, there's this uh, sense of intersection of the omnipresence of God um, and uh, intersecting with all of his creation and and. Perhaps the major thing that theologians are exploring at the moment is, is a third idea of the mutual intersecting of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the extension of that, which is being explored and developed, and it sort of hasn't taken its full um, idea yet, is, is of our invitation into something of that divine dance, if you like, of the moving in and out, of the, of the working with, and all of those things, and the invitation of us to join with God, to join with Jesus, to join with the Holy Spirit in an in intimacy that we understand because of worship and a reciprocity, you know, kind of a coming together. And so theologians are working with this, and it's proving quite life-giving in lots of ways to lots of people. It's a, it's a, it's a joining together in these things, we're, and we're called to something of the same dance. So the great um, uh, Pentecostal theologian, Gordon Fee, he sort of... Um, came to this conclusion in in, in his book um, How to Read the Bible book by book he says humanity is the crowning glory of the creator's work beings made in God's own likeness with whom he could commune and delight who would know the sheer pleasure of his presence love and favour who would know the sheer presence of uh, sheer pleasure of God's presence love and favour that's you that's us that is who we are Worshiping today, created in God's image, humankind thus uniquely enjoyed the vision of God and lived in fellowship with God. There is this connection and relationship and development of that that God is inviting us to even this morning, I think. You know, we talked about um, Derek uh, and having lost him. We've, We've lost three, you know, greats of our church in this year. So early in the year, Pat Kerrigan died. Um, so some of you will know him. Again, he was not well over the latter parts of his life. And so many of you won't know him, but he was a magnificent part of our congregation over you know, 10 or 12 or 15 more years. Um, and that was in February. And in June, Derek died. And, and, and the base that's kind of in transit at the moment that we've ordered and we, and we paid for last week is a tribute to him. Well, most recently on October the 8th, Gay Edwards died. Some of you will know Gay. Um, but again, because of ill health, she wasn't around a lot. I think the last time she was in our church was about February this year, and then she's been too unwell, and, and sort of she was, she was not able to come all the time during that. But here is a dear woman to, to many of our hearts, and for, for others, this is, this is just an important part of our our story in terms of the year that we're going. So towards the end of her life, there was a, a, the word went out from the family that no visitors please, The only people who can visit are close family and Gay's pastor. So I'm Gay's pastor, right? And it was extended because Sandy's our care pastor and Fran, and so we were able to go and visit her. So the second to last time that I visited Gay, I, I, I started to read the Psalms over her, and it felt like the presence of God was there, and it felt very powerful. But I went away, and I felt inadequate. And my role, as a, it's like I'm not family, and, and in one sense, I'm not even a close friend. I'm, I'm there as pastor. So what does a pastor do? And I, it was taken to, you know, sort of more formal churches, you know, particularly a Catholic church, perhaps, you know, you would be there as a priest, and you would be reading the last rites. That would be what it would seem to be. Or you'd be pronouncing some sort of blessing, and there may be a word or a formula, a liturgy, that you would read over that person. I'm thinking, you know, because we don't have that sort of thing, I have no tools right now to be your pastor, your vicar, vicar from the Greek vicarious, that we get vicarious substitute here in the place of God, representing God at the bedside of someone who's dying. This is a big deal all of a sudden. All of a sudden I'm I'm not there just because I've got time in my week, but I'm there as a representative of God. Do I feel great about that? Do I feel ready for that? Oh no. And so I go and see her for the last time and I pray this prayer. And I don't know whether you might be a bit horrified, but I would hope, you know, that this might be a blessing to you if I ever prayed this prayer as your pastor over you, if it was your last days. And it was a prayer that that with faith and with a sense of, this, of, of the rightness of, of representing God, that I was able to say, God, uh, gay, you know, you are ready. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, what an incredible thing to say. Your sins are forgiven. Am I allowed to say that? It just seemed that I was allowed and meant to say that. And Jesus is coming, and there was sort of the sense of faith. It wasn't pre, pre-planned, but Jesus is coming. There's a sense that he indeed was coming, even as we were there, and he's going to, he's going to take you in the hand, and he's going to walk you home, so I mean Gay wasn't in a sta- state of her life, she was a- aware that we were there, Sandy was there with me that time, and, and he, she was aware that we were there, but she didn't agree with that I can see Jesus or anything like that but i but I believe it, that I believe that I was able, and God let me and God called me and God enabled me to represent him because I'm created as an image bearer because I contain and I'm filled with the spirit of God and maybe in that particular thing I'm also sort of anointed or called or something like that that is my job because I'm the vicar vicariously doing this but I think it's the same for all of us at least at some level because Jesus talks in some big concepts when you think about it. So he says things like this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I don't, I don't really have a, an updated mindset for a verse like this, I have, a, I have a Pentecostal mindset of what this might mean, but I think it's bigger than any of that. But it's such a big thing, it's saying, you know, I'm going to give you something to represent me and it's quite powerful what you have in your hands. So it's just an amazing thing. So so it's a representing sort of thing, an invitation to, to represent. Well what about in John 14? Because I live you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and critically I think, and I in you. We sit here and he is in us. That is amazing. That is incredible, mind blowing, you know, kind of hold the front page. He is in us. He's in us because he loves us, yes. He's in us because he wants to heal us, yes. He's in us so that we can represent him. Yes, let's add that, representing him. What about Acts 1 8? Familiar again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all gentling me is what you'll be doing when you're doing all those things. And yes, I will go with you. And yes, I'll be with you. And yes, you will be times where it might be tough. And for some of us, it might be even today as we talk about that. But nevertheless, this is what he's calling us to do as image bearers. We carry the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And this gives us, I don't know, the power and the authority, if you like, to to fulfill the Great Commission, to, to say yes to his calls and his commands. Not to not to not to languish in where we were, but to but to rise as we get to represent Christ, to stand up for those maybe who are weaker than us. You know, I, I love you know the 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 intercessors who will stand somewhere in between, representing between God and those who are need the prayer, if you like, and will stand in the gap for. This is an amazing thing that we do, and we all do it to some degree. We've talked a bit about today, about standing in the gap for someone who's vulnerable and, I don't know, 12 years old and taken out of a village and, and, and trafficked. And we stand, and we stand because of who, who Jesus is in us. We stand for those things. So um, I'm, um, on Friday night I'm off to Asia for... Um, Two and a half weeks, so I'm not going to be around for the next few weeks. And um, uh, I'm first going to Jakarta, and there's a couple of vineyard missions events that I'm going to, they're very significant in their own right. But uh, but from there, I'm, I'm going with a group of um, 12 or 11 others um, from the New Zealand vineyard, um, some of our pastors and leaders, because we're in the second year of of a 10-year church planting track of planting churches in Cambodia. There are very few vineyard churches in Cambodia, most of them in the rural north. And um, so we're, as a New Zealand vineyard, have set a 10-year thing of, of, of planting, if God will let us planting churches in Phnom Penh to start with and, and maybe in other places. It's pretty intimidating when the thing that you're about to take is, is translated into, into Khmer, and it looks like that. You have no idea what it's actually saying, but that's what we're going over there to do. And it's an incredible privilege and it's an incredible, an incredible sense of representing something. You know, to a country that only heard the gospel for the first time in 1927. You know, to a, to a country that has no vineyards. Not, it has churches, but it has no vineyards. Not that we're anything special in a sense, but we have a flavor that is a, going to be a blessing to Cambodia. And I, I'd love you if you were willing to pray. I've got a few um, um, of these um, wristbands. I'd I'd love you. There's only five of them, so only take one if you're really uh, going to pray. But if if you'd be happy to pray, if the five people here would pray for us while we're away. But the point is, you know, we're going to represent. You know, we're not going because, you know, we want to set up a church and that'd be really cool and we could go up there every now and then and, you know, kind of preach your best message and have it translated and, you know, kind of it's a bit of a different culture, little experience. We're going there to represent the other, who is God, to the other, in this case, as being led, hopefully, by the Spirit of God, is Cambodia. Next year, we haven't done a church mission trip, kind of together, for for five or six years, or something like that. Next year, I'd I'd love Shaw Vineyard to do a mission trip to Cambodia. I wonder whether there's some of you here who would come with me, and you know, we'd go over, and we'll and we'll just have the time of our lives stretching ourselves and seeing God move and and being part of that. that Anybody up for that would be a fantastic thing. So I'm certainly keen for us to get that in our calendar. So this is a series that we've called Loving Others, Discovering the Heart of God for Those Around Us. Second half, of course, of our mission statement, Loving God, Loving Others. In many ways, following up on the theme of August, which was beautifully made when we, we tried to figure out what it means to be called Very Good. In that first message back in August... I talked to you about a, a guy called Bernard of Clairvaux, a, a 12th century uh, Cistercian monk who studied the Song of Solomon mainly, wrote lots of sermons on it, and, um, and, and taught the church a lot about love. And Bernard concluded that what he called four stages of love, and he said the first stage of love is loving ourselves for our sake. We probably see that a lot in the world, you know, kind of, um, I'm an important person, you know, I need to find I need to find, um, you know, kind of a way of loving myself. A lot of our, you know, self-discovery, our self-esteem stuff is around that. It's perfectly all right, perfectly good thing for us to do. Bernard went on and he said, but there's, an, there's another one which is loving God for our sake. Sort of recognizing that that... You know, not only are we loved because of who we are, but it's a God who created us and a God who loved us. So loving God for our sake. And he moved on. There's a third one. We'd understand this, perhaps in a worship context, loving God for God's sake. Yes, it's not all about me, but I'm going to love God for God's sake because he is my creator. And Bernard went on, though, and he said there was a, there was a fourth uh, category, if you like, a fourth progression, if you like, of love, which is loving ourselves, loving ourselves for God's sake, because we recognize who he is and what he's put in us. This is the heart of God. We represent God. And when we love ourselves because he's made us in his image, that pleases the heart of God. That is a magnificent thing in the heart of God. Remember Jesus in um, John 13:34, a new commandment, I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And so it has always been God's plan as we come to the end and as we're going to ask the Father what He wants to do. But as it's always been God's plan for us to be His image bearers. And so if you look in the Bible, you'll see the fall and that, and that made it difficult for us to be image bearers. And you'll see Israel and, and, and its inability really to outwork that and that's made it hard for us to be image bearers. And we all know about sin And that makes it hard for us to be image bearers because we're all weighed down by those things. But we're also very good and we're also fearfully and wonderfully made. And as his very good and wonderfully made image bearers, we have a role in God's plan to bring his kingdom to earth. And that's via loving others. We're not passengers or guests. Um, We're not um, an audience. We have an authority and a power and a, an invitation, and we've been given each other to see and be seen week one, to to relate and to be open to relationship week two, to serve and be served week three, to rely or depend on and, and be relied or depending on week four. We have the opportunity, the invitation for all of those things. We are invited. This is magnificent. This takes your breath away, doesn't it? We are invited to love and be loved. This is the invitation of God on our lives, for us. It is a magnificent thing to be a representative of God here on earth. Why would you want to do anything but that? To watch what the Father's doing and just run headlong into that. It is a magnificent thing indeed.